Greetings, passengers of the Brace in Place podcast, a podcast all about the TV show Snowpiercer. As always, I will be your conductor slash host, Hillary. Be advised that this podcast does contain spoilers, so use caution as needed. There are also themes of suicide, sexual coercion, and exploitation, so care for yourself while listening. In today's episode, I will review Season 2, Episode 8, titled The Eternal Engineer. We will conduct an episode recap, discuss questions, theories, and predictions, and as always, we will end with our segment, What Random, Burning, Completely Irrelevant Question About the Train Has Hillary Asked This Week? But first, be prepared to brace in place for our official entry into this week's episode. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to talk about this episode, which has gotten a lot, a lot of flack online. Uh, people did not like this episode. And to be totally honest, I'm not quite sure that I've settled into a firm opinion about it. Maybe I will after I talk th- through everything uh, dur- doing this podcast. So um, lots to talk about. Um, a couple of housekeeping hospitality things before we get into the recap. Um, feel free to find the group on Facebook. I get new requests each week, and it's so fun to see uh, new people join the group. Just search for Brace in Place, and it should pop up um, over there on Facebook. We've got polls each week and discussions about the new episodes. And it's just a lot of fun to connect with you guys. So look for me on Facebook and I will approve you. Um, And also leave an iTunes review if you feel so inclined. Excuse me, I'm still trying to figure out how um, all of these different podcasting platforms work. So um, for some reason, I think if you're in a if you're in America, it shows up in one way on my list. And if you're in another country, it shows up in another way. So I believe that this um, review view that I'm going to read was on Apple Podcasts or what we used to call iTunes, um, but in Australia. So um, here's a new review that came in from Wengers. I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong. 101 from Apple Podcasts in Australia titled the review, um, the SP podcast I've been searching for. So I automatically already like this person because this person is using some uh, shorthand with uh, talking about Snowpiercer. When I do my notes, I always write SP for Snowpiercer, BA for Big Alice. And so I already like the the way this person does things. Um, This person says, this is the best Snowpiercer podcast I have yet to come across. The presenter is one of those like a mind reader who asks the questions I am thinking, then does the research that I cannot be bothered doing to answer them. So thank you to that person. Um, Love it. Love that review. And thank you for listening all the way in Australia. That's amazing. Um, So feel free to leave an iTunes review or a review on whatever platform that you use. And hopefully I will be able to figure out how to find those reviews. Because like I said, I'm still getting my getting my train legs with all of this stuff. So let's, let's dive into the recap. Sorry, I've just got a tickle in my throat that just will not go away for the last like month. It's allergy, allergy season here in Illinois. Things are getting dusted up um, as things go from hot to cold to hot to cold, sometimes in the same day. So sorry, I've got a little tickle that I need to clear my throat every now and then. So let's get into our recap. Um, the The episode starts with Roche, um, who is the leader of what used to be the, um, not the Brakeman, I'm the Brakeman. 
Yes, the Brakeman. I'm, I was having a brain fart there. Yes, Roche is um, kind of still in charge of the Brakeman, but they're kind of changing how they're doing things because of Leighton coming aboard. So he's just kind of in charge of the security of the train, I guess, um, without having maybe a formal title. But it shows Roche talking about how he <clears throat> is super concerned for the train and isn't sure how he believes and what he wants to think. And it shows him literally lying awake at night, um, worried about this. And so if you can remember from last episode, he did not want to put out his red uh, lantern. He he wasn't quite sure about that. And we see Roche really go through go through a lot this episode that we'll keep getting into. Then we go over to Boki, who is the only breachman left, I think. Um, he's the only one that, that I've picked up on. And he's standing in the train car with all of the dead bodies um, that were his friends that were massacred three episodes ago. And it's uh, it falls upon this guy as his job to, uh, you know, these all these dead bodies are kind of wrapped up in this white... Um, plasticky looking thing. And um, it shows him throwing all of the dead bodies overboard. So, um, so they're not turning him into cannibal meat. So there's that, because um, I know that I'd wondered that. But he just throws them overboard when they're going over a big bridge. And they just you, you see them just kind of crumble um, down in the abyss, basically. And so I had some mixed feelings about this. I, I initially thought, why are they making that guy do that? This is this is the one guy that's remaining that these were his friends. But then I kind of wonder, you know, I wonder if if this person were a real person, which I know he's not, would would he want to do that job? Would he feel compelled to um, to be the last person to to touch these bodies and to dispose of them. And, you know, he touched them, you know, kind of in a, in a gentle, endearing way, you know, just kind of, um, you know, he cared about these people. These were his friends. So I don't know, it could go either way. You know, did they make him do it? Was he the only one willing to or was he kind of forced upon it? And that's kind of shitty. Don't know. Don't know. Then we get to see um, and hear a little bit from Roche's daughter, um, whose name is Carly. And she needs to go to school and Roche basically tells her, why don't you, <clears throat> why don't you stay up train um, instead of going through uh, second class or third class or however it is that she would get up there, um, stay up train because it's safer. And so that kind of lets you know that there's still trouble kind of a brewing and that it's on Roche's radar and he's wanting to be protective of his family. We learned in earlier episodes that Roche um, had two other children that died in the freeze. And so it's just him and Carly and his wife. And so he's being protective of Carly. Then we get to see uh, a water uh, faucet in Roche's train car bursts and water starts going everywhere. And so it's not just a little break. It's a pretty big, pretty big leak. And who comes to save the day but uh, our girl Ruth, who we don't really see a ton of this episode, was kind of disappointed in that. Maybe that's part of the reason that this episode's getting all the hate. Um, but LJ and Oz uh, in their janitorial duties show up. And um, you see that those two are, uh, Oz is kind of telling LJ, this is how you shine. You need to show them that when there's a catastrophe, you show up and you do the work. And maybe that will help you look good and be in everybody's favor. And so they, they, they're getting calluses, they're working harder, you know, especially LJ is working harder than she has in her life. And 
a few scenes later, it shows them um, making dinner together and she's making eggs, which is cute because that was kind of their initial um, setting was uh, Oz teaching her how to crack open a hard boiled egg because she didn't know how to do that because she'd never done that before. And so later on in the show, it shows them uh, making eggs together and it's super cute and they share their first kiss and it's kind of awkward, kind of cringy. Not sure how y'all thought about it, but I was a little bit like, okay, move on. Um, so that happened. I don't have anything else to say about that. Um, then we go over to, uh, big Alice and we see Josie is laying there awake looking just like, like any, like hardly anything even happened to her. Um, she, is not in any pain anymore. She's laying there. Her her skin looks, I would say, probably like 80% healed. She's looking good. She's moving around. She's she's not in pain anymore. Um, and who's sitting next to her but Wilford. And so she um, had just woken up from um, having a goo bath, is what he called it, which I guess is just what it sounds like. She took a bath in goo. And her skin is just really you know, kind of regenerating itself and she's doing really good. Um, I guess they had to put her under for that. And so she had, um, I don't know if she was intubated because he said something about, you know, when, when that tube gets taken out, it's uncomfortable, isn't it? Or something. Um, but she was having some trouble with her hand that, um, remember when her and Melanie were having the fight and Melanie, um, took a, did she have a hammer or something and kind of like broke it off or something? Um, so she's missing a hand and Josie, um, had commented that she was still feeling some phantom pain in that hand. And Wilford being the psycho that he is, that is into torture says, well, you know, when your body is so focused on the pain, it kind of forgets that you've lost a limb, but that now that you're not in pain anymore, your body's kind of remembering, oh yeah, there used to be a hand there. So <clears throat> he, um, so he pulls out this, this fake hand and puts it where her hand would be and does some kind of exercises to help her, um, to help retrain her brain basically so that it realizes that, um, that the hand is not there anymore. And, it's a nice moment, I guess, but it's really weird to see anything that Wolfer does as nice. And you can tell that Josie is really torn with, um, what do I say to him? He's helping me, but I'm really overwhelmed and scared probably. Um, and then Wilford stands up and walks out and tells her, oh yeah, we're not going to be, um, locking you in here anymore. So she's got free reign to walk around Big Alice. Um, we don't see or hear too much from Josie except for her interaction with Audrey. And that's about all we see from Josie this episode. Um, at some point we see, um, I believe it was in, uh, in Wilford's train car, how you can kind of see out. It's like up on the second level and, you know, you, you look out and you see the back of the train and, uh, you see Icy Bob walking up around there. So you kind of wonder what's going on with Icy Bob that comes into play later. We also find out that Wilford has a tradition of giving these cute little gold coins to the breachmen. It was some kind of old tradition. Um, and you see Boki had one at the beginning of the episode when he was throwing the dead bodies over, over uh, the train. And what would you say, overboard, over, over train? I don't know how you would say that, but um, <clears throat> you see Boki doing that. And we find out that that was a Wilford thing that he, he felt that that was a tradition to give people that. So that, that comes up later too. 
<clears throat> that was a good cough. I'm sorry. I swear that will hopefully be the last one for a while. Then we see Audrey go and talk to Josie. And um, they're kind of, I think they're in like the little cafeteria section. And Audrey's looking all beautiful. And Josie's kind of looking, you know, looking a little rough still. She's way better, but she's still looking a little rough. And Josie says, you've, you've turned on us. What's, what's wrong with you? Why have you done this? And Audrey basically says, look at lady, I'm sleeping better than I have in years. Um, it's really nice to not have to worry about everybody else. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I highly suggest kind of taking a turn for the other side. But she also says uh, to Josie, the future is yours if you want it. Just look in the mirror. So that was an interesting little part. Then we see that um, they need Boki to go out and fix the train because there's a, a, a part that has come loose. I'm, I'm a little fuzzy on the exact details of, of a lot of this episode, to be honest. And that was part of the reason why this episode got a lot of flack. Um, people didn't get it. And I feel like maybe I kind of get it, but there's still some parts that I'm a little fuzzy on. And I've only watched it once. I try to watch it twice before um, I do the show, but I'm learning that a lot of you guys seem to really like it when this episode gets posted on Tuesdays, the day after the show. So I might be a little fuzzy on it, having only watched it once before I record the show, because it seems like people want the podcast to come out right after the show. So forgive me if I'm messing up some of these details. I'll try not to get lost in it. But um, Boki needs to go out into the cold um, and hang outside, hang, you know, off of the train uh, to fix something that has become dislodged or something like that. And he says, um, oh, the train needs me. Okie dokie, time to go outside. And I wrote that down because that's that's not going to be my quote for the for the show. But that's the second second best quote, I think. So still kind of cute that he said that. Um, then Icy Bob makes his way back onto the train after being outside doing whatever shenanigans he was doing out there. And he is rough. Um, he, it didn't even look like he had gloves on. Um, it seems like even if you have skin that protects you, you would still at least put something on, I would think. I don't know. But he, he didn't have anything on. Um, so he comes in and he is looking super duper rough. And the doc tells Josie basically, this is so sad. We're never going to see, um, we're never going to see Icy Bob reach his fullest potential. Um, and that's, that's really sad. And so she looks at Josie and says, this is why we need you to be resting now more than ever. Um, which kind of makes you wonder, what are they planning to do with Josie? So that's a little bit of a jump ahead to some questions slash theories slash predictions. Um, what are they going to be doing with Josie? What's, what are they hoping to do with her? And is I see Bob totally out of commission? Um, somebody online on a Facebook group um, for Snowpiercer that I'm in had posted the Wikipedia summary of this episode. And in that uh, summary from Wikipedia, it said that I see Bob died. I, I did not catch that. Um, I thought that he just was in really rough shape. But if I if I mess that up, please let me know. Um, but either way, they know that he's coming in really, really rough um, and that they might not be able to push him quite the way that they were pushing him. So maybe they need Josie to do it. This gets her thinking, what are they going to do with me? I wonder what's happening. So she finds an arm portal, um, like what you know, Ruth used to stick people's arms out of to freeze their limbs off. And she sticks her hand outside and it stays out there for quite a while. So if you remember in previous episodes, when it would show somebody 
um, outside or somebody that would, you know, have the death by lung kind of thing, it would only take a couple seconds. And, you know, it's so flipping cold out there that it would kill him pretty quick. Um, and it would freeze him pretty quick. Even last episode with the pastor, you know, he didn't have that thing on his head for very long. And that cold just started eating away at his face within a couple seconds. She leaves her hand out there for, for maybe like five or six seconds and brings it back in and is okay. Um, looks at her hand, is able to move it around. So she's maybe also already developing some um, cold tolerance uh, issues that maybe will come up later um, if she keeps taking her goo baths. Don't know. Um, Wilford also told her when they were talking that he wanted to have a new name for goo. Um, you know, I wonder if he was thinking, I paid these people all this money and this is the kind of scientific name that they come up with. I kind of like it. I don't mind the name goo because um, that's kind of what it looks like. It just looks like goo. And for non-medical people like me, it makes it easy to pronounce and easy to understand. So I'm okay with goo. Keep the goo. Keep the goo. Then we see uh, Boki goes out there and um, fixes the train. He finds a thing that had gotten jammed in the wrong spot or something. And he fixes everything, saves the day. And when he comes back inside, he says um, that there had been ice broken off of the rungs. Somebody was out there before me. And so Boki, who kind of seems like, you know, he's kind of putting off the putting off an air of being kind of like a big, tough, maybe kind of not super smart guy. Um, but he's putting the pieces together. He's thinking. He's not just going out there and doing his job. He's thinking. He's using his context clues. And he realizes that, you know, Wilford maybe was willing to sacrifice my life um, to meet his own needs. And maybe that's not cool. Um, so he says the breachman risked their, you know, he, that he got this little gold coin from Wilford and that Wilford told him the breachmen risked their lives for me. And with this, I pledge to do the same. And he says, shove it up his ass. <laughs> so Boki is now on team Layton. He is done with Wilford. So that was a really interesting turn. Um, I, I, I do wish there were still more breachmen around. Um, he's the only guy and that makes me really worried for him and really worried for his profession. It's like saving private Ryan all over again. It's just, you know, protect Boki. He's the only one that knows how to do this stuff. And he's the only one, I don't know. I worry about Boki. Um, you know, and now that he's, he's on team Layton, I kind of feel for him. So we'll see what's going to go on with Boki in, in later episodes. Then we cut to Roche's wife, and she has people coming and talking to her. I'm not exactly sure what her role is. She was wearing a, a necklace that had a cross on it, and uh, Roche had said something about her helping keep the faith or something like that. But then she was wearing an outfit that looked like she worked in the kitchen, maybe. Um, so I'm not totally sure what her job is. Um, but people are coming and talking to her, maybe because they know that his, uh, that her husband is the head of security. Um, and she says, people want to know where we stand. And uh, at one point, Ruth even comes and talks to him and says, you know, hospitality is supposed to be neutral. So I can't take a stand, you know, kind of insinuating maybe you should do the same thing, um, that we're, we're supposed to be Switzerland. We're supposed to be neutral here. And 
he um and and when Roche was talking to his wife, you can tell that Roche is starting to think differently about Wilford. He says, look at what Wilford did. He created a train that has holes, for Christ's sake, to put your arms in to have your limbs frozen off. That's not that's not normal. That's not sane. That's not nice. That's a bit psycho. And so you can tell Roche is starting to really take a stand, but his wife is not quite so sure. Then we see... Alex, um, Alex Cavill um, from Big Alice, she's starting to put all the pieces together. She figures out that Wilford basically had um, Icy Bob go outside to mess with the train so that then Bokey would have to go out there and fix it. And this just kind of starts a domino effect um, that leads to basically a part needing fixed, a part needing replaced over on Snowpiercer. And... Uh, let me see. I'm looking at my notes here and I can't read my own handwriting. Wilford to Snowpiercer. Show more here to see it. Oh my gosh. I can't read what that says. Hopefully that's not an important thing. Um, oh, oh, I know what that meant. Okay. Alex figures out what has to happen. Everybody knows that um, Wilford has the part that needs replaced. And so they've got to bring Wilford over to Snowpiercer to replace this part in the big engine that got messed up um, when Icy Bob went out there and messed with everything. Again, not totally sure of the mechanics of all of this, um, but that's basically what happened. So they bring Wilford back over to Snowpiercer and he's in like his three piece suit. Um, it just shows a very quick walk, which you're kind of left wondering, didn't he have to walk like 10 miles to get up to the front of the train? But anyway, um, and he, he even mentions, this is kind of a big event, me walking up here. It's a shame nobody's here to see it, which is just bonkers to me that he's that crazy that he just flat out says, I wish there were people here to admire me doing this when he's the one that created all this. He's the one that started all of this to begin with. But anyway, I digress. He goes up to big or to a snowpiercer to the engine and they find out that the the quick fix that Wilford thought would happen to fix everything that he messed up to begin with isn't necessarily going to work because there was something else that happened a few years ago and Melanie Melanie did some kind of override that is going to make the whole thing not work and so they basically have to restart the engine from scratch was my understanding of it. Um, they couldn't just put in the new piece and, and restart it and everything would be fine. They had to totally reshut everything. They had to shut everything down and do a manual reboot. So they had to pull in all of these, um, I'm guessing third class workers to help go down into the, the bottom part of the train and help flip all of the switches to turn everything off and then back on again. And at this point, um, it's word has gotten out that Wilford is in the train, that Wilford is on Snowpiercer and people are freaking out. People either really love him or really hate him. So there's a lot of people that really love him that were really excited and they're like, oh, Wilford's on the train. Oh my gosh, Wilford, Wilford, Wilford. And they're loving it. <clears throat> and so then we go and you see Wilford working his magic with some of the um, cords and some of the electrician stuff that's going on in the train. And Leighton is standing there watching him. And Leighton is, is just about not maybe not quite as lost as I am with all of this, but close. Um, and he's and Wilford even says to him, how could you Leighton expect to lead this train? You don't even know how it runs, which was just the most, uh, 
rude, condescending thing that he could have said to Leighton. Because Leighton's just trying his best. And you've seen throughout both seasons, there are times where the elect, you know, the engineers are talking about engineering stuff, and Leighton's trying to understand as best he can. He's not an engineer, but he's still a smart guy, um, and so he's trying. And Wilford just puts him in his place way too harshly. I felt in that epi- in that part, but anyway, at some point during this episode, uh, people were c- kind of conveying their concern to Leighton that you know he's going to be up there with Wilford. How are we going to know if? The shit has hit the fan, so to speak. And Andre had told them, if I set off a flare, then you're going to know that we're in trouble. So at this point, this is where things got super duper confusing. After Wilford fixes everything and kind of saves the day, Andre just looks at him with a look on his face and kind of puts his tail between his legs, walks up to the, um, walks up to the front of the engine, sets off the flare and then gets arrested, and then is taken over to Big Alice to be in custody. What? Was I the only person that was like, what, what, huh? What just happened? Um, So I had to do a little digging and try to put the pieces together of this. And I think I I think I get it. I think that um, he was arrested because he he felt in that moment that that was the only solution because otherwise there was enough people that were fighting um, from the tail who knew that Wilford was, was there. He didn't want more people to die. He didn't want there to be more fighting. Um, But then at the same time, that was kind of the flair was to kind of put people on alert that were in trouble kind of thing. So I'm not totally sure what his motivations were by lighting the flare, but of what he wants to happen. But I, I think I get why he did it because he knew that people knew that Wilford was on there and that people knew that Wilford saved the day. They didn't know, obviously that he's the one that created that shit show to begin with. And so that's some information that I'm hoping will come out later that yes, Wilford did come fix the train, but he's the one that broke it to begin with. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see, but the episode ends with, um, Let's see, with Leighton going over to Big Alice and Roche accompanying him over there, just kind of as an escort. And then you see that Wilford has Roche's wife and uh, child, Carly, in the drawers. Um, and you see a, a look on Roche's face. His face just kind of falls. His kid, his kid and his wife are in the drawers. So now... Uh, Mr. Wilford basically has both Roche and Leighton in custody. Basically, even though Roche isn't technically in custody, he knows that Roche is probably going to do whatever he wants to save his kid and his wife. So Mr. Wilford has the power now. And that's even how the episode ends. The episode ends with somebody saying, well, Mr. Wilford, now you have the train. And Mr. Wilford just kind of takes his hands and rubs it on the, uh, you know, I don't even know what you call it, the main dashboard there of the train and just looks so pleased with himself. He is super pleased with himself. He is proud. He knows that he worked hard to get to that point. And so, and that's where the episode ended. People, like I said, did not like this episode. Um, it was kind of confusing. I'm still not sure if I understand all of the work, all of the moving pieces here. Um, but I think I understand enough of it. And I think we'll keep getting more information 
as uh, as the next episode comes out. I don't believe that there's an episode next week. It seems like there's going to be a two-part finale um, in two weeks. And so two weeks from last night, I think there's a two-hour. So I don't know if they're just considering this a nine-episode um, season or if it's considered 10 episodes and next week it's just episode back to back. I'm not totally sure, but uh, I believe that there's no episode next week. So we've got to wait quite a while um, to figure this out. And just to make things even further complicated, I am on vacation that week. So I'm not sure how I'm going to do the show. Uh, Maybe we'll just do some kind of live online chatting or something during the show because I'm going to be in Florida and I don't feel like dragging all my recording stuff all the way down there. Um, But we will see. We will see. So Now on to our questions and theories and predictions. Um, Who else is going to go in the drawers? Um, Is Roche going to go in the drawers? Um, Why not just kill Roche? That was a question that I saw online. And I totally get not because I'm a psycho, but because I'm trying to understand the mind of Wilford. I that that wouldn't play into Wilford's character to just kill Roche. Um, Wilford doesn't really just kill people from what I've seen. Um, he does everything he can to keep people alive and under his thumb. So he's not going to kill Roche. He's going to take whatever collateral he can from Roche, which, which is his wife and his child, and use it to help him maintain his power. Everything that this man does is to help maintain his power. So I, I get why he why he wouldn't do that. But who else is going to go in the drawers? Is he going to shove Leighton in the drawers? Um, what's what's going to happen with that? Don't know. Don't know. I picked up on the little comment that Miss um, Audrey said to Josie about the mirror. And people online are just hating on Miss Audrey left and right. Um, but then there's a there's kind of a small percentage of us who think that she's in it for kind of the long con um, that she's she's in a deep undercover uh, situation here and that she's still on the side of the tails. She's still fighting for the tail. She's still fighting for everybody to have equal equal rights. Um, she's just doing it in kind of a messed up way because Wilford is messed up. Um, I think that there's going to be something with the mirror. Um, Josie's going to take the mirror off of the um, wall and see that there's an escape route to uh, Snowpiercer. She's going to use the mirror to, I don't know, to convey messages somehow. There's going to be messages stuck, you know, stuck behind there like they've done in the past. There's something with the mirror. um, And I I don't think Miss Audrey would just say something like that. Um, cause what, is, what does that even mean? Like you want the future look in the mirror. Um, it's, that's just a, like a nothing statement. Um, so I think that's, that's one of my predictions is I, I still am holding on hope that, uh, Miss Audrey is on the, on the good side. Um, but that she was just trying to give Josie a little hintsy poo about how to get some messages or how to sneak out of there or something. I, I'm not sure. Um, but I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out. Where is Pike? Uh, didn't see him at all this episode. Um, some people online saying maybe he's holding out in the bowling alley, which we've heard about, but I don't think ever seen um, with his little baby bottle bong. That would be cool if he's hanging out down there while all of this is uh, going on. Um, also haven't seen Miles and Miles. So I, I predict the last couple episodes here, we're going to see these people that have been pretty important characters um, showing up again and kind of seeing how they can contribute to some of this being resolved, or maybe we're in 
uh, in for another cliffhanger. I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised if we're in for another cliffhanger at the end of season two. Um, a lot of people on these Facebook groups are hating on the writing in season two. Um, I think they're just mad about this last episode and in the last couple episodes that there's been uh, a lot of cliffhangers more so than usual because the biggest cliffhanger has been what is going on with Melanie? Is she going to live? Is she going to be left out in the cold? Um, what is happening when Alex is banging on the door, you know, to the back of the train, trying to get the train to stop, to pick her up? What is happening and how will all of this come together? It's really, you know, I'm a very impatient person and I want all of this to come together too. I get that. I totally get that. But I also think that we have to we have to be a little patient with this and we have to wait for all of the pieces to come together and it's going to be worth it. So I, I I'm maybe I think I liked this episode more than most people, but um, but I, I get the tendency to want all of this to come together. I get it. But come on, people, just be patient. It will come together eventually. But part of it is that's part of the fun is not knowing and having these predictions and these questions and all that. So enjoy it. Enjoy it. I know it's uncomfortable, but let's try to enjoy it. Um, Let's see what other. Oh, I I saw somebody else online said something about how the producers have apparently confirmed that the Folgers are dead. I have not seen proof of that, and I didn't have time today to research if that is true or not. So if people have found concrete evidence of that, um, the producers confirming that the Folgers are dead, please post it in the Facebook group because I didn't have a second to look that up. But um, I just wanted to say that there there is a rumor going around that that has happened. So if that is true, I will, um, I will admit defeat. I will admit that I was wrong in that prediction, and that's fine. That's fine. We've got plenty of other people to focus on, plenty of other characters. Um, um, but let me know if you find out about, about that. All right. That's all I had for the episode recap for the question series predictions. Um, I'm not going to rehash everything that have been some kind of curious um, theories and questions and predictions from previous episodes because because these have been kind of going on in different timelines. Those ones still exist. So all of the predictions and questions and everything from the Melanie episode, I still have, et cetera, et cetera. So just to kind of save time and not be so redundant, I'm not going to repeat those, but I'm still curious about all of those things, except the Folgers, of course, because now I think they are confirmed dead. So moving on to our last segment is the random burning, completely irrelevant question about the train that I have asked this week. And this is partly inspired by um, somebody in the Facebook group, um, Gregory Ho, that has responded, um, wanting to know about David's uh, dreadlocks and that uh, the character Layton has dreadlocks and wondering how easy it would be to maintain that living in the tale. So I I kind of took that question and created my own question. Um, so inspired by Gregory, but um, with some of my own, uh, you know, I was going to say flavor. I don't know. Uh, some of my own, <laughs> whatever, some of my own thoughts in there, I should say. Um, and so my question is, how would you wear your hair on Snowpiercer? Um, and I actually created a poll in the Facebook group asking this very question um, with lots of different options. And so who won this poll? Um, the options were, would you have a long, wild, and free hairstyle like LJ? Would you have an elegant updo like Ruth? Sometimes Audrey, sometimes you see her wear her hair up. Would you grow it out into a new style like Andre? Um, And I actually looked up a picture of Andre 
in the um, pilot and he was wearing a, like a stocking cap and I did not see any dreads coming out of the bottom of it. It didn't look like his hair was coming out of the back of it or anything like that. So I think that um, Andre's dreads are a result of seven years of being, um, you know, of, of not having a haircut and, and growing it into that kind of style. So that's, that's another option for the poll. Would you grow it into a new style like Andre with his dreads? Um, hair, who has time for hair? Simple shortcut for me, which would be kind of Alex's point of view, maybe. Would you go bald is beautiful, like Pike, like Roche? Um, just shave it all off. Keep it simple. Would you want a low, messy ponytail, like Josie? Or would you maybe go for a cool, funky hairdo, like Till? Because why not? Why not shave half of your hair off underneath it and then put it up in a cool ponytail? Because she looks so cool with that haircut, and I love it. And I know that this is a show about the end of the world and about equality and the wealth divide and all that stuff. So talking about hair, I know, is a bit silly. But that's kind of the point of this last segment is to just kind of have something silly that is irrelevant irrelevant to talk about. So what one? Let me look here. In the in the Facebook poll that I did, the completely scientific professional poll here that I did, the winners were people would choose to have a long, wild, and free haircut or hairstyle like LJ or an elegant updo like Ruth. They were tied. They, they were tied. Both got the same number of votes. Um, so there you go. People would want to wear their hair really long and wild and put no effort into it or spend hours doing an elegant updo like Ruth, <laughs> which I think if I were to have a gun to my head and somebody were to say, braid your hair and make it look somewhat decent, I think I would just die. I would just, I would just be dead. Um, so there's that. Um, how easy would dreads be to maintain? I, I don't know a lot about dreadlocks, so I did a little quick search, and it looks like you need some materials, some dreadlock wax, um, residue-free shampoo, a metal comb, rubber bands. Um, I'm not sure how likely those things would be available back in the tail, um, but we know that they were very creative, and maybe there's some substitutions that could be made for him to maintain his dreadlocks. So not totally sure, not totally sure. So feel free to join the Facebook group and let me know how do you think you would wear your hair if you were a passenger on Snowpiercer? Um, how would uh, would you want to spend a lot of time on it? Is that something that you would find fulfilling? Because why not? What else are you going to be doing with your time? Or would you rather just kind of let it go and be wild and free and focus your time on other things like becoming a janitor and making out with Oz, I, you know, like LJ? Not sure. Not sure. Lots to think about. So that brings me to the end of this episode of Brace in Place. Thank you for joining me. Again, join the Facebook group so we can continue talking about all these things. Leave an iTunes review or a review on whatever platform you use. And I look forward to hearing from you. So as Roche says, we're one dirty look away from a civil war.